Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath, and you know what time it is. It is time to bring you a conversation with someone in the hobby that matters. A guy that I listen to every week. He's got a little podcast with a couple other guys. He is Lou Janu, who is one of the hosts of the Card Talk Pod. Love what they're doing. He's a guy I've interacted with, and I just needed to have him on the podcast. They spend a lot of time on their show talking about alternative markets, and so I wanted to get into that. I wanted to get into a little bit about his card history background, what he sees in opportunities. Um, just indicators, things like that. Um, so glad I can bring that to you all today. You'll hear a lot on this episode. It's coming at you fast. You'll hear some Super Bowl picks that might have went wrong um, from the both of us, but that's okay. We lick our wounds and we're here right before the weekend to bring you some sports card content because that's what we do over here. If you like what we're doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you tell a damn friend you're enjoying stacking slabs. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Friday edition of Stacking Slabs. I'm joined by a guy that I listen to weekly, another podcast friend in the community. If you're not already, make sure you're checking out Card Talk. They're coming at you every week with really good content. It's a good flavor of the hobby that I enjoy listening to. I'm joined by my man, Lou Janu. Lou, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Thank you, Brett. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I appreciate the car talk shout out. We definitely have a lot of fun, but I, I will say, you know, I've followed you for a long time. I actually ended up recently actually following you on Twitter, but I was always seeing your tweets and all that stuff. And I really, really, really respect your opinion. Um, I've never gotten the chance to say that to you, so I'm glad I'm saying it now. Uh, I really appreciate the way you approach cards and you think about the hobby in general. Um, so I'm really pumped to be here and talk about wrestling cards and other stuff. And excuse me in advance, if you hear my cat, he's kind of getting a little active right now. Hey, I've got a baby that's probably going to be screaming. So we'll just deal with it and we'll try to figure it out. I'd love to maybe start with like card talk. Um, just uh, the reason why it works for me is like you, Ryan, Tyler, it just feels like you guys are buddies and you're just having casual conversation about just sports, the market opportunities you bring in the community and guests like. I would love to know just like that collective of individuals, like the three of you. And then I know you've got Jason, who's a awesome producer. Like how did like card talk and that team come together? Um, and did you expect that, you know, I think you're about two years into it. You'd still be doing it at this point. Yeah. So I'm sure anyone who's even somewhat aware of card talk or somewhat aware of Tyler and myself knows that we work for Gary, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the reason I was into cards way back in the day, a long time ago, but I got back into it recently in 2017 ish. Um, and once we went to the national in 2019, that was kind of like the moment for us that we were like, Oh, we need to do something here. Like there's clearly a gigantic white space within the card community of like content that isn't very, uh, analytical. A lot of the early, if you remember this in this time period, a lot of the content in that time was very like 
these are prices. This is how much this card went for. This is what this card is. This is the pop report of this card, right? And I would say, speaking as a person who thinks they're pretty stupid, those conversations don't really, like, I, I don't really attach myself to those conversations because it gets a little too heady and we're talking about numbers and we're talking about, and it's just like, I don't know about that stuff. So that was kind of my ambition. I wanted to have like a nice, fun conversation every single week with my friends, really. And it was people I'd met in, in the hobby throughout the years. And it kind of evolved from there. Ryan obviously is, I would say, probably one of the foremost personalities within the hobby. And he's been super nice to us um, since the beginning. He was actually the first person that I DM'd. Actually, the second person I DM'd when I got back into cars. I was looking, I was watching his YouTube videos uh, about the national, uh, watching some of his stuff. And I was just like, big fan, blah, blah, blah. So we've been really cool for a while. Um, and, you know, COVID happens and we finally decided to actually do it, right? We're like, let's just, let's just start it. We're home. We have nothing else to do. Who cares? Right. Literally the first person Tyler and myself said, we were on the phone. We're like, what about car collector two? First person we thought of, uh, we hit him up. He was gracious enough to join us. And we've kind of just been rocking ever since. Like you said, it's definitely a pretty casual conversation. We don't get too far into it. It's not really my strong suit. I don't really think it's Tyler's either. Ryan's definitely the smart person who knows like really intricate stuff about cards. And we kind of learn from him every week. That's kind of the point of the show, I would say. No, I, I love it. And, and just so the audience knows, we're going to be talking about just uh, one of the reasons why I appreciate Card Talk is they give some airtime to some of these emerging markets. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I ha- you, you mentioned it, so I have to ask you before we jump into it. Gary and cards, like people see Gary post about cards and everyone starts talking and there's all these conversations and people speculate and have all these things. Like you're someone who's like working with him closely regularly like what can you share about just like gary his passion for cards anything that like motivates you things that you've picked up on and just the time since 2019 to now yeah the thing i always say it's it's kind of basic and it kind of to the point where i am almost not like tired of it's not the right word but it's more just like confused because he it's it's very the the number one word i would use is like genuine like he really just does love cards he's always loved cards I promise you, if I could pull up videos, if I could pull up recall memory of us in 2003 going around to card shows with my dad, his brother, and his best friend to open up basketball cards, I promise you I would pull it up for you. Like That's just kind of what it is. That's kind of always been who he is. He loves cards. He loves flipping. That's all his stuff, right? Like, obviously, yeah. everyone's seen it. It's kind of, that's really him. That's really what he likes to do. So, you know, he his interest change, his interest peaks like change over time, right? Like he has moments where he's hot on cars and he's NFTs, back on cars, garage selling. Vayner X, he's a pretty busy guy. He's got a lot of, he's got a couple of things going on. So he can't always focus his primary attention on cards. And I think that's, from what I can tell, I think that's what ultimately upsets people is when he kind of doesn't talk about it publicly for a while. People assume that he's out or he's selling his cards or he's dumping or whatever. And that's just not what it is. So that's really all I can say about that. Things he's taught me over time. I mean, there's a lot of things. Gary's taught me a lot of things in my life, but in relation directly to cards, I would say the number one thing I've learned is like how to be a better negotiator, right? Like that's like a small thing, but it's like a very legitimate. I'm not typically someone who was speaking up for themselves or if someone just told me how much something costs, I was like, okay. And you kind of just go with it, right? So that's like a small little thing that I've kind of learned with him uh, negotiating on car deals. Um, I've learned a lot about like market research in general. I'm, I think I'm much better at figuring things out now because of cards, weirdly enough, like just literally searching through eBay of like, 1986 Fleer, Akeem Olajuwon, like PSA 7 versus a PSA 6. What are the differentiators? 
things like that. So those are kind of the main, like very tactical things he's taught me within cards. Um, and then of course there are like a million different lessons along the way. I'm sure. So one thing that I've learned from just listening to your show, Ryan, Tyler, and you, and I think maybe this comes from Ryan and just consuming all of his content over the years is that like the three of you are very like activity driven, like thinking about different spaces within the hobby. You are thinking about timing. You're thinking about selling. You're thinking about jumping into new opportunities. And I've always found that like, now this is not something I de- definitely knew out of the gates. It was like an evolution for me. It's like the more activity you're making, like, like cards that are in your collection that you bought and you thought you'd never sell. And then a year later, you're like, all right, it's time to sell this because there's another big card. Like the more activity, like you perform in the hobby, there's the more results, the more opportunities you're going to get. Um, maybe like sh- shed some light, I think, before we dive into the topic, because I think sure. we'll be talking just like activity, like how you think about it and making plays. Cause you talk about making plays all the time on card talk. Yeah. In a very basic form, I would say it's learned by doing. You know how like, your friends might text you and be like, how much do you think this card is worth? Like, blah, blah, blah. That's not something that I just know inherently. Like, that's just not a skill I have. Ryan does. Ryan has that ability where he could see a card and he knows in a general ballpark of like what you should be paying for it, what he would pay for it, what a seller should be paying for. Like, he has all those different data points from just years and years of building up time of knowing about cards, right? I don't have that. The only way I know how to be, the only way I know how to learn about cars is by literally transacting them, like buying them. This is how much this one costs. I could sell it for this. This is how negotiation works with this card. That's not necessarily the same as negotiation. You know, a very clean example would be the negotiation for a Luca base PSA 10 is not the same negotiation for a, a Lewis Chrome PSA 10 or even a, you know, we're talking about Mahomes autos and all that cool stuff like that. Like those negotiations are very different. And literally the only way I know how to learn anything is by actually functionally doing it myself. So it's mostly just giving myself as many at-bats. This is a good way to put it. It's giving myself as many at-bats as possible to like perfect the craft of what I'm doing. And that craft will be flipping. That craft will be collecting. I've definitely in the last six months become more of a collector than I would be a flipper. I used to say, well, I still think this. Every single card I own is available for sale. There's never a time where anything is fully off the table. I love cards. I love collecting. I don't view any of this as, you know, there's nothing that I buy that I would never, ever sell. Like, I get why people are like that. And that's cool for people. I'm not one of those people necessarily. I kind of view a lot of this as ways to have fun with flipping, have fun doing something I love. Like, my dad loves to do this. Like, this is something me and my dad talk about every single day, pretty much. But outside of that, it's literally just reps to get better at this thing, which is ultimately how I have fun. So, so let's dive into the the kind of the alternative markets. And I think one that I've just heard you all talk about a lot is just F1. And the perception I get is that you all realize like with Netflix, the show, that their consumer consumers are glued into this. They're, they're locked in. There's cards that are coming out. Um, no one has really talked about them before. This The, the Topps Chrome series really launch cards in F1. This was coming while the Netflix special was coming on. So you all dove in, you started consuming the content, you started buying cards, figuring out and the market kind of took off. I guess like my question just out of the gates would be like, is that like the perfect scenario where it's like, you've got a new market for you. You've got a new market, you're jumping in, trying to learn on the fly, but then there's also like 
the sport itself that you're glued to and attached to and watching a guy like Lewis Hamilton, you get like fired up because you're watching him perform while you're also trying to figure out like, how can I make plays on his cards? I'd love to like understand just from the F1 mm-hmm. perspective, uh, how you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of weird. Cause I think I've gone back and forth on this and I've actually been thinking about it as the new season's coming back around. Is it, do I, I know the answer now, but the question was like, do I like F1 because of the card opportunities? And that is what drew me to it. Or did I come across something on Netflix? Actually, the real way I came across it was my friend texted me about it and was like, yo, you need to watch the show. And I was at his house one day in the summer and we were just hanging out and I watched like the first two episodes of season three. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. What I come to realize was I like the entertainment aspect of it. And it's something completely new to me. I had no idea about F1. Nothing. I'd never seen Ford versus Ferrari. I had never seen that movie. Uh, I think it's called Rush. Like, like one of those movies. Like that's how people were in general exposed to like what Formula One racing is. Um, I got into it because of the entertainment factor. I loved Lewis Hamilton as a figure. I thought he was a very interesting person. And then from there is when I got into the cards. Right. I was like, huh. Like I wonder if Lewis Hamilton has a card. And I'm looking it up. And at that time, it was only the tops now, or you know, the other card was around, but no one really knew about it. And that was kind of what got me into it from there. And then from then on, I said to myself, all right, cool. Clearly, this is new. Clearly, this is a pretty underpriced thing. When I viewed it through the lens of this show is on Netflix. There's how many people subscribe to Netflix? How many people are watching these episodes? Everyone I know is weirdly talking about this for some reason. Anyone I know who was like generally interested in sports and also was like on Netflix, watching Netflix shows is like, huh, this is pretty cool. So those are kind of the indicators in my head that get, that get me going. And then it's just going down the hill of anything collecting from there, right? It's like you find the sets, you find the people, you find the rookies, you find the autos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So something you mentioned and that I think about with cards a lot is just like entertainment and the entertainment value. And for so long, when I got back in the hobby, it was, you know, this basketball is a global game. Don't buy football because the guys wear helmets and no one knows who they are. Like Mm -hmm. baseball is just like a bunch of the collectors and those major markets, even hockey have, have evolved. but um, I don't think like when I came back in, people would have even thought twice about like an F1 or any of these other uh, markets. What what do you think? Like, is it like the Netflix? Is it people coming to the realization or them having their their friends pull them in to watch the show? Like, what do you think like are the main reasons that a market goes from like absolutely like very zero little interest from from consumers to it being like part of the conversation? Um. I think I'd be not telling the full truth if I said I didn't think at least a decent portion of it was money driven, right? People see money coming into this sport and everyone's always looking for the next hot thing. Part of the evolution of cars and the evolution of the community online and part of more podcasts coming out, more content creators coming about is everyone basically does the same thing. Everyone's looking for the next big play, uh, looking for the next big thing to jump in on. This is the thing that has the most upside. It happens in NFTs as well all the time, right? Or it's like these new projects pop up and everyone's like, going to the moon and away we go, right? So like, obviously that's a pretty big portion of it. Um, Do I think it's the primary driver? Not necessarily, but it's definitely a big piece of the puzzle. I think the hobby is very hive-minded for better and worse, where just like you say, like people said, baseball's for the collectors. You don't buy football because there's no helmets. People are like, oh, there's this new sport coming out. Cool, I'll take a look at this. And then they hear people they trust talking about it and it gets people interested from there. But I do think an uncomfortable truth with a lot of these things is that a lot of it is money driven and people are looking for the next big thing. 
I love it how you call it out because some people just don't call it out. It's like, and I don't know what that is if on the content creation side or just like people in general, it's like, just be upfront and be honest. Be like, I'm in this because I'm trying to make money or, or that's or okay. Trying, right. It's okay. Right. That's fine. That's the world. Like, this is what it is. <laughs> you don't buy stocks because you, because you love, you know, Amazon's quarterly earnings. Like, that's not what people are doing. People are buying, like, let's stop pretending. There's no reason to pretend. And there's, but then there's, there's a world you have to live in within that, right? There are bad actors acting for money and then there are good actors acting for money. I would say, you know, <laughs> I'm biased, of course, in my own brain, but like, I'm, of course, I'm trying to make more money. I have bills. I have things I want to do. I have, I have a world I want to create for myself. I see card as an opportunity to make some money, right? But along the way, I want to do it the right way. I want to enjoy. I, I would find something else if I like. If I wanted to do it another way, I I can't spend time on things that I don't really enjoy. And that was actually a big lesson I had last year, where I was like, I'm doing too much with this. I'm I'm trying to formalize this too much. Everyone, it became a big. You got to get an LLC. You got to make sure you're making your money and blah blah. blah. All that's real. Like that's a legitimate thing. We talked about it last week on the show. I was like, pay your taxes, make sure you're doing everything properly, right? But also, like sometimes you just let something fun be fun. And that was kind of what I learned in the last year as well, where it is a lot of it is money is money related and that's okay. And I think as the sooner people become okay with that and ex- accepting of it, the better for everybody. So you said something important there, let it just be fun. And I've all my like catchphrase is like the hobby is my escape. Like when I'm not in meetings or with my family or whatever, it's like my, it's like watching a movie. Like I'm on mm-hmm. Instagram, on e- I'm on eBay, I'm looking at my cards. So not everyone like has that mindset, which is totally fine. There's any let's say the the hobby as a whole, like there are competing interests, there are different personalities, there's different market segments, there are different levels. But at the same time, we're all standing here and we want more people to come in because the more people that come in, right, chances are the cards that we're owning, the prices will go up. You, I know you interact with a lot of people online with a lot of different uh, perspectives. Like mm-hmm. what, what's, the ba- what's the balance? What's the balance of like saying, okay, like, You've got an opinion. I've got an opinion. They're different. We don't need to like go to war because it seems like I just see a lot of people like going to war and it's just like, guys, this is guys and girls. Like this is cards. Like, let's just have fun. Yeah. Listen, I'm not much of a, this might, people might tell me that I'm lying to them. I don't know if we can curse on your show, but like people might say that I'm BSing them. Like, okay. Like we disagree. Like we could talk about it. Like I'm, I want to know your full perspective on everything. Cause number one, that's helpful for me. Because again, I'm not someone who would consider themselves to be an overly smart person. I want as much understanding from everyone as possible. And then at the end of the day, I might be like, yeah, I disagree. And like that kind of is the end of it. Like it doesn't need to be bad, I guess. I, are you referring to like a lot of like the drama that's happened? Like, early, like Yeah, early yeah. It just, it, just, it just seems like I, I, tr- I see it and I know like it happens. And I know some people are like flies on a light with it. Like they're, that's what they gravitate and that's what they're, they're here for. Yeah. Um, it just seems like it, it can be a distraction at times. It's definitely a distraction for sure. And you know, you're someone who works online and spends a lot of time online. Like, unfortunately, that's just like the cycle of the internet. And that's the cycle of specifically social media in general. Like there's just a lot of like, everyone's having fun. And then there's like so a little bit of backlash and then everyone turns from there. And then YouTube, it's, YouTube specifically has a way of like really encouraging like drama and beefs and all of that stuff. And I think people just choose to lean into that when they can't talk about the car they sold for for 500x in three weeks, right? Um, or 50x in three weeks. So that's kind of where people go because that gets views because people love drama because that's how people are. I have found myself 
in a position now at age 27 where I'm just like not interested. Like I just choose not to be interested. I call out if I see some like real clown behavior, I'm more than happy to call it out. But for the most part, they're all, it's mostly irrelevant. The noise is irrelevant to what you want to do. Getting back to your original question, right? Like the, what you have your interests. I have my interest in F1. There's been a lot of people who have told me that F1's garbage and F1 is, uh, no one watches F1 and blah, blah. Most of the time people are talking, they're blowing smoke. They have no idea what they're talking about. So you have to be comfortable with your own convictions and the things that you're doing. And that's how you stay focused. That's how I stay focused, at least. I love it, man. That's so good. Talked about F1. I know, man, I could, I wish I could like, like rewind the tape in my brain of just all the various types of markets that you've, you guys have covered over the last couple of years, maybe touch on like, what are some of the things you talked about? Like some of these alternative plays that, Mm -hmm. um, Either you you talked about it, you you dabbled and realized it wasn't for you, and maybe some other ones that you dabbled in and you were like, all right, this is for me. I want to go harder on this, and maybe reasons why. Yep. I would say Marvel was the first one. Reason why I was interested in that is pretty basic in my view. Like Marvel is one of the biggest IPs in the world. It, it kind of stems most of these things, these alternate things, I'd say my impetus for getting into them stems from Pokemon. When I first got back into cards, the first thing people said was like, no one cares about Pokemon cards. And I was like, why? Like, it's like the coolest thing in the world. I loved Pokemon when I was a kid. And that was kind of one of the first things that drew me back. My original card buying was literally exclusively 2003 Bowman, uh, Rookies and uh, Bowman, Chrome, Rookies and Stars, all that stuff. And then Pokemon. That was like, all that I bought. So when I got back into it, I'm like, huh, this doesn't seem right. Like the Charizard 10 is only like $10,000. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, why is that like that? And it's kind of trying to see a wider view. I don't, it's really easy to get caught up in like the hobby bubble of this is what people think is important. These are the people that I talk to. This is what they say. So what they say is fact and Bible, right? I try to keep a wider view of like, we've, we've said this thing, we've said this fact a million times, but like Pokemon's the biggest IP in the world. It's like $90 billion, something like ridiculous like that, right? So it's like pretty basic like that. That's the impetus for something like a Marvel where I'm like, there's all these movies, there's all these TV shows, there's Disney Plus. Disney's clearly made a gigantic investment into Marvel. Any of these people who are viewed as like not important Marvel characters, they're going to get a TV show. They're going to get a movie. It's just what's going to happen. And when the awareness goes up on that, the car prices go up. Pretty basic. I did the same thing with UFC. I did it with F1. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I bought uh, Olympic wrestling cards in anticipation of this of this uh, Olympics and ended up not working out, but that's okay. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, it's, I just kind of try to think of it from a wider, a wider lens of outside cards. I actually try to completely ignore anything hobby related in terms of like feelings about a sport or a card or whatever when I'm looking at something because I don't want the, 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 the well to get poisoned by other people's opinions. That's a, a good nugget. I want to talk about Pokemon a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like just, I was just older old enough where it was just like, I was kind of too old. It was, it was coming out and I never just, I never had the attachment. Right. Yeah, It wasn't your thing. It wasn't my thing, but now it's still like, I don't buy Pokemon cards. I don't, but some of my favorite content in the hobby is like listening to collectors talk and listening to their, their inside because there's so much energy and passion because it like, it's that fusion of like opportunity and like childhood nostalgia. And it's also such a big world. The world of Pokemon is gigantic. Some of the stuff I I hear these voices and they're talking about you know Charizard Squirtles all this shit and I'm like you know what like this kind of reminds me of like how I think about pro wrestling and why I like wrestling cards so 
what, what, like, I know we're going to spend some time on wrestling, but like, and then there was obviously, you know, amplified by the whole case and Logan Paul and all that other stuff. Like that's that's a big piece of the puzzle though, for the last year. Yeah. So, so maybe like, as I'm someone who doesn't collect Pokemon, I don't know anything really about it, but I Mm -hmm. go and consume people talking about it because it triggers thoughts and emotions for me. Help me understand like Pokemon, the opportunity, obviously biggest IP, but like, is there still a lot of room for growth in that market? Is it just more collectors coming in? Like, I just love you to educate me on what's happening in that space. Yeah. I think it's really hard to say at this exact juncture because there's been such a ridiculous run up and there's been so many different things that happen. Like whether it's when the Charizard ran up to like 500 K or whatever, that happened really fast. Right. And it was kind of a bit of a whirlwind. I didn't know what to think, to be perfectly frank. I didn't know. Like, it seems like it's okay. Then it all of a sudden wasn't. The cards go down a a ton. They haven't really rebounded. The next thing we hear is people are buying BGS 10s of of Charizard. People are buying cases. These cases appear. Bad things happen. And then all the, the, again, the, the well is poison and people are starting to like not feel as good about it. Right. I view Pokemon as this anyone. As far as I know, and again, this is in my circle of my world, so I'm blinded by that. Anyone from my age, 27, to as high as like 28, 29, and you might be different because you weren't not directly involved, and then as low as like 22, 23, obsessed. It was the number one thing they did. We all played the card game. We all watched the TV shows. We watched the movies, all that stuff, right? And I just think nostalgia is like the biggest driver of purchase power and collectibles like i really think that nostalgia and like really being attached to these characters being attached to these athletes because they were the ones who won you a championship or they had this crazy moment or whatever um and i don't think there's any stronger nostalgia than pokemon in the tcg world it just doesn't exist and that's kind of always been my number one driver i still think that am i gonna go spend 200 grand on a charizard tomorrow definitely not but I have the stuff I have. I'm comfortable with the stuff I have. I'm getting some stuff back from PSA finally that I'm going to be having and holding on to. And I do think there's long-term upside, right? Because I think we kind of had the, we had the bump. We had the huge bump. There's going to be a little downturn here. And then there'll be something else that brings it up again. I also think Pokemon was really the first clear example of what happens when there's a gigantic run-up really fast in cards. Uh, it happened with that. It happened with basketball. And then it happened with football a little bit as well. But I think Pokemon was that first, it was the first indication that we were in a very different time in cards, in my opinion. No doubt about it. And I think as I was listening to you talk, the connection point for me with Pokemon wrestling, uh, Marvel is their character base, right? Character driven. And we as human beings uh, are gravitate towards, we watch movies, characters, we watch our TV show characters, entertainment characters. And so I think there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn across some of these like emerging markets. I want to talk wrestling a little bit with you. Um, The wrestling community is amazing. Um, Wrestling card community. It seems very small. It's expanding. And it's like this little bubble, like the Twitter wrestling community is pretty strong and we share cards, talk, and it's good. It's really good. People helping each other out. And I felt like it's this bubble. And then I listen to card talk and I, one of the episodes, I think you were talking about like an ultimate warrior card or whatever. And I was like, all right, man, like lose talking wrestling cards. This is awesome. <laughs> this is like a flag I've been trying to carry just because it's so much fun. And like, there's so much nostalgia, but just like 
from your perspective, like what it, what are your thoughts on like just the wrestling card market from what you've seen or gotten yep. into? I'd love your perspective. I'm sure you've heard anyone who loves wrestling will have heard this exact sentiment many times. And the truth of the matter is I just can't get myself into the, to the modern stuff as much. I just can't do it. I've tried so hard. I truly love wrestling. I have so much love in my heart for like the rock and triple H and like Val Venus and like all those guys, like those are my people. And I just aged out of it. Like, I think I just did as like, unfortunately, and maybe it's a big part, a big problem with it is that like the main product is not very interesting to watch anymore. It just seems very, it's very watered down and kind of childish and kind of boring to me. Um, I tried to do the AEW thing. I still try to do it when I watch it. I'm interested, but it's hard for me to keep up week to week. The other problem with wrestling is that it's like, there's so much of it. Like it's on all the time. And it's, if you're not keeping up, you got to like go on Reddit and like read about what's going on. You have to go on Twitter and make sure you're following along all that stuff. It's a little too much for me, the wrestling stuff, all that to say, I love wrestling. I've always loved pro wrestling. I will always hold wrestling cards in my collection. One of the only cards I do have that I've never sold ever since I bought it or even considered selling is a dusty card from like a a random like 87 set or something. So I love pro wrestling. The current stuff is a little bit tougher. I did a break recently. I hit you up about that. I jumped in a Topps corn break, kind of got crushed in it, but that's okay. So yeah, like I'm interested, but it's hard for me to get attached to the newer characters because number one, there's so many of them. There's way more wrestlers out there now than there used to be, which is definitely not true. There's definitely always been this many wrestlers, but there's so many characters now that it's just too hard for me to keep up. And that's why I lose interest. Dude, I, I want to just say, I love the fact that you said your guys are, you put the rock, you triple H and then your third guy, Valvinus, the goat, bro. He was, <laughs> that's definitely not okay to say. You're definitely not supposed to say that anymore, but Valvinus was the guy back in the day. Oh dude, there's a, uh, for people who can go look this up and it pops me every freaking time it comes up in my eBay saved searches, 2006 tops Chrome heritage. I think there is a Valvinus card. And Does it have like dude, a piece of his towel? That'd be the best. That would. There needs to be an. Ex, there needs to be an exquisite RPA Valvinus. That would be towel. unbelievable. <laughs> this card, like, it just makes me laugh every time I see it. But shout out to Valvinus for getting some airtime. He is one dude, and I think it was probably just our age at the time. But like, he's one dude that like is his character is burned into the brains of people like us. You know. Bro, let's call it what it is. WWE wasn't exactly the most family-friendly programming back in the day. And when you're a young, straight male, those things are interesting. And that's just what happened. Like I'm I try to be better now, but like that's what it was back in the day. No doubt about it. So you you bought into a break. Like, I'd love like what was your inspiration for the break? Were you just like, I want to check out these cards, see what see what's going on over here? Like, yeah, again, what, what like, motivated you? I could go look at a checklist. That's kind of boring. Like that doesn't really do it for me. I was trying to get, I was trying to get into a break and rip a box and just see what was in there. I just, I literally just wanted to see what was in the box. I had no idea what was there. I didn't know what autos were there. I didn't know who had autos. I didn't know anything. I was interested. And I also like, sometimes I think tops and uh, Panini with these other sets have like a little bit of a different, like art style and like design on the cards, even for the main products. Like the tops Chrome is a little bit different looking. Again, maybe I haven't seen other stuff, but like it's a little bit different looking than all the other tops Chrome stuff that's out right now. So I wanted to see that. I wanted to see what that looked like. And yeah, it was literally just a matter of trying to see like literally what actually was in there. And if I got anything cool, if I could sell it, how much that's worth, blah, blah, blah. You mentioned UFC. And so I want to source you here on this because 
Tops is losing the WWE license. Panini's yes. picking it up. WrestleMania, WWE yes. Prism, like just I mean, just picture the Rock Gold Prism, ten copies. Like I mean, Mamma Mia! Like people are going to be freaking, me included. Like I'm going to freak out for this card. So what I want to know from you is being like UFC being recent to Panini getting the UFC license, UFC Prism coming out. Like, and it's a similar lineage, like Tops Chrome to prism like what should i be expecting as a wrestling card collector going from tops chrome to now prism obviously i know prism gets eyeballs but like what have you learned like in the ufc transition um i would also say like part of i, I never got to it before like ufc i kind of i got into it i have some prism boxes that i hold i have some singles that i've held on to and purchase and all that stuff but like again ufc kind of just wasn't totally my thing as much as i thought it was but i think in general the what you can expect from a prism and I'm sure there'll be WWE Chronicles and, and all that cool stuff. So, you know, I think it's just more options. I think what happens with tops and I love tops, shout out to my people at tops, all that good stuff. But like, I think sometimes tops keeps it kind of basic and formulaic a little bit. And you could probably say opinion does the same thing as well, but I think just the transition over just felt like there was so much more stuff to choose from. And that has pros and cons, right? When there's 20 different parallels within a set, it's like, all right, well, the of 423 is not as cool as I thought it would be, right? But yeah, I think there's just different options and different things to try out. And in general, I think Panini makes a cooler looking card than a Tops does. So did you find just in the the pricing of singles in UFC, I, I know very little. Like mm -hmm. if there's a UFC fight on, I'll watch it, but I'm not seeking UFC stuff out. Sure. Was there like uh obviously Connor, I'm demanding high dollar. It was it the same stuff of like, okay, this guy's like a prospect. So his, his cards are high. Like talk me through like the pricing of some of these singles when I UFC think it came was, out of the gate. I think it was very similar to what you see in a basketball or a football, right? It's very basic. People try to look for formulas within different things, which I also think gets people caught a lot of the time. People are looking to replicate the same thing. Same time, same thing back in the day when you went from being able to submit as many PSA cards as you wanted to, you couldn't do it anymore. People were like, oh, cards are finished. You can't do this anymore. This is over. Blah, blah. Same thing. But really what I think it comes down to is like, and again, this is speaking from someone, it's like a little bit of a, a different perspective and like outside of the bubble of within that community who would know better than me. But like, I think it's just a matter of, especially in a UFC world, like characters, you could be as good as you want. Like there's people like Mighty Mouse who are considered to be like some of the greatest fighters of all time. People aren't getting that excited about his car. People love Connor. People love Sean O'Malley. People love those type of people because they're exciting and interesting to watch. Like Ronda was a huge star for a reason. Like she was a great fighter, but she got one bad matchup and it was over. It didn't matter. She's still super popular because she's an interesting character to follow. So I think that's ultimately the, the thing. If you're prospecting in a UFC world, that's literally the thing I think I would do is like go on people's Instagram and like TikTok and see what they were doing and see if they're interesting. And then if they're halfway decent fighters, I'm in. It's, because it those seems... are the people who are going to get fights. Dana's going to give those people fights. That's literally how it works. Dana doesn't pick fights based on skill <laughs> level. He based on how many pay-per-views he's going to sell. That's such a, uh, it seems like it's right in front of our faces, but um, it seems basic too. But I think that's a good, it's the same thing with like wrestlers who get over. Like the wrestlers who get over with the crowd are the ones who are engaging with the community through their social platform. So it's just how the world works these days. Yeah, listen, like everyone thinks they're Vince McMahon and they think they know who the people are going to be that are popular. Guess who Vince McMahon didn't think was going to be very popular? His name is Daniel Bryan. He literally took over the sport for or took over the, the company for like a three-year period because he was just so over it didn't matter. 
entertainment is the variable, not necessarily skill set in those worlds. So, absolutely. I want to I want to close out with just I want to get your Super Bowl pick. I know you put it on your show, but we got okay. to we got to put some Super Bowl talk at the end of this. But the question I had asked you guys when I was on your show was just about like what are the things that make these like emerging markets sustainable, so they're not just like hit and run opportunities for people just trying to like come in, cash out. Like I'd love for you to just share some perspectives since you're someone who's kind of been in a lot of different areas. Like what do you see as like the the factors that cause these markets to kind of withstand the test of time? Um, It's hard to say. There's a gazillion different variables within each of these things, right? But to me, the thing that I found that keeps it a big chunk of it is literally just support from these big, bigger media partners. Like the reason the NHL got big this year is pretty basic. They got on ESPN plus and they got on TNT and Turner platforms. That's really what happened. Hockey hasn't changed that much in two years or three years. It's just that it's in front of more eyeballs. So eyeballs is a big piece of the puzzle. Because the more eyeballs you get in front of, the more people who are going to actually find out they actually like it and keep watching it, and then they start collecting and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's the biggest one. And I think, again, another uncomfortable truth is like there's just certain things you don't know and can't control. Like F1 is pretty interesting. I feel really confident that if there wasn't that insane ending at the end of the last race, we'd be thinking about it a lot differently today than we did four months ago. There's a lot of anticipation heading into this season because of how last season ended. That's just, you have to just keep people interested or else you can pump a card all you want. No one's watching and no one cares and no one's going to buy it. Out, looking at the outside factors, looking at eyeballs, I love all the perspective there. Uh, before we get into the Super Bowl chat, how are you feeling about Zach Wilson? How are you fe- feeling about your Jets going into uh, next season? What, what kind of moves are you looking to make as a Jets guy? I'd love to hear it. I'm the most optimistic I've been in eight or nine years, I would say. It just feels like there's a real groundwork being laid that there wasn't being laid before. I have like the ultimate confidence in the coach. I think he's a motivator and like a leader of men. And I think Mm. that's the only way you can win in the NFL. I think people like Urban Meyer don't work out because they operate on fear. And Salah's big thing is like, we're partners, like we're going to learn together and grow together and et cetera. And I think that's really the big piece. It might not be Zach. It could be someone else. I really think Salah is a difference maker. Um, But Zach is like so uber talented, man. Like he's He's so raw still. He's definitely raw and young and needs to learn some stuff. And he's, but he took so many steps forward after his injury. I could like gush about Zach all day. I fucking love him so much. But like, <laughs> I think he's so talented and like has so much upside. And uh, it's literally just a matter of weapons. I think the only way you win in the NFL is with weapons. The reason the Bengals are in the Super Bowl today is because they have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. Like they're just drowning in dudes, right? Just get dudes in the building and figure it out. That's what I've been telling all my friends for the last, like ever since the season ended. It's like free agency dudes. Like I want athletes draft athletes. Like I'm sick of these defensive linemen respect all defensive linemen. I'm sick of it. I need touchdowns. I need points. I need to move on offense. I need to keep the ball moving points on the board, win football games. That's my perspective. That's all I care about happening. Bro. One of my best friends in the world, he's going ape shit right now. Cause he is a from Cincinnati diehard Bengals fan. Went to college. I can't imagine. Him. Dude, he's, but I vividly remember him talking up into the draft. And I'm like, bro, like Panay Sewell, like he's your guy. Like Joe Burrow got crushed last year. And he's like, I don't know, man. I want Jamar Chase. I'm like classic Bengals fan mentality. Like just want the weapons and it won't be able to support it with no infrastructure. And then now it's like, I'm eating my words. I'm like, what was I even thinking? Like, look at Jamar Chase. This guy's an animal. So I think that like mentality of where it's shifting a little bit from like, spend all this money resource on the D line and the O line. Yeah, that'll be important. But like, 
you got to have guys like you got to have guys that are getting in the end zone. Cause we've seen the, these playoffs, like Josh Allen, Mahomes, like Burrow, all these guys, Stafford, like everyone's just getting in the end zone. You know, it's pretty frustrating as like, I've been banging this drum for like five years. Like I just want guys like just get the jets talent pool has been disgusting for the last 10 years. Like <laughs> gross, 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 gross on offense. And it's like, just get guys in the building. Cause guess what? You can't touch the quarterbacks anymore. They're going to get sacked. They're going to go down all that good stuff. You can't do anything to them anymore. So you can piece together an offensive line. Just score points. Just score points. That's it. Defense will get stops when they have to score points. The end. And the only way you score points is when you have as many athletes as possible and as many weapons as possible. Period. No, no doubt about it. Let's close crazy. I'm, 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 I'm with you. The, uh, so it'll have happened on the other side of this, but talk to me about just your mindset going into this Super Bowl. I'd love like, are you doing any gambling? Uh, who who are you picking? Like, I talk me through what's what's going on with Lou on going into Sunday. A responsible amount of gambling at an uncomfortable level is the way <laughs> I would describe it. <laughs> I'm gonna responsibly gamble a lot. Uh, I'll be on the game. I'll be on the total. I'll be on this of the point. I'll be on the uh, the props. I got squares for pools. I got prop sheets with my friends. Like I'm out there. I'm really like overextended on Super Bowl. A little binge, a little binging going on. Just a little, a little, a, a little binge. It's no big deal. And then Monday, I'm right back to it. I'm off until March Madness. <laughs> so who, who, who do you, who do you like in the game? And and who's your uh, who's your Super Bowl MVP? Um, I picked the Bengals. I'm holding firm on the Bengals. I can't believe the craziest thing that ever happened when I watched the Bengals play the Raiders, and I was like, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I said it on Car Talk on that Monday. Thank God I said it that Monday. I love that team. I love Joe. I think Joe is like super cool. He's really mature for his age. Like he's so ahead of the game for quarterbacks his age. Um, and I just like them. I think I like the way they're they're built. I really like the Rams too. I've been a huge McVay guy forever. I love the way their team is. I love the way they run their team. The way the Rams decided like building a team is stupid. Like we can just get as many superstars as possible and just go on runs. And then we spend a down year and then we're back again the next year. Like that's literally how they run their team. They just like, We'll throw as many draft picks against the wall as possible. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll be over the cap. It doesn't matter. I love the way they run their team. I just think the Bengals are too talented. Uh, and they just have like a certain mojo about them that I think puts them over the edge. I like it. Before I let you go, I remember, uh, I think it was Card Talk National Time. You had a kid that was you're, was hustling you. You're trying to get a, a Joe Burrow costume. Oh, my boy, Cruz, bro. <laughs> How are you feeling about not having that card right now? Oh man, I should have made that deal. He was such a good negotiator. I, it's a weird thing and shout out to Cruz. He's my boy now. I would, I would now crush him in any deal I ever could do if I, if it was, I was able to, but it's this weird thing where like this kid rolls up on me who I've, I've spoken to a little bit on Instagram, but like, I don't really know him that well and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let's make a deal. Like, let's, let's do something good. I tried to be like nice and cool with him, all that good stuff. And then I'm like, bro, you're really not going to make, like, I made them a really good offer. I was like, you're really not going to make this deal with me. Like, what are you talking about? You're not going to do this. Um, and he was like, no, I'm holding firm. So I hope he killed it. I hope he still has it. I love Cruz. That kid's the man. We brought him on stage with us too. It was great. That's amazing. Before I let you out of here, what's happened with Card Talk this year? Are you guys planning on anything, anything you want to promote? Card Talk is a growing show. We are, we are changing ourselves a little bit. We're adjusting our, our plans a little bit. We have plans for in-person stuff. We're going to get out to Ryan's store at some point this year. We're going to find some more shops to go to. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool guests lined up. A couple really big guests coming up. So it'll be good. Really excited. 
Awesome. Lou, I can't wait to uh, hit you up and see how much money you want. We're going to be optimistic yes. here after. Wait, can uh, we pause for a second? Yeah. What's your pick for the Super Bowl? Bengals. You're picking the Bengals too? Okay, good. I, it, dude, it's the, I, it took me until yesterday to come to terms with it. And I believe that the Rams have the better and more well-rounded team and probably the better coach. But there is this, and you know, I'm a Colts guy, and the 06 run from the Colts, like how they did it, like what the Bengals are doing, it reminds me a lot of that run where there's some gaps on the team, but you just they make it happen. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it just feels magical. I I can't deny what J- Joe Burrow is doing right now. That it just I came to terms as like I think the Bengals are going to win like 28 24. There's something about that kid. There's something about Burrow, man. He's just so cool. How many cigar companies are sitting there like, oh, Colin Burroughs dying to throw money at him, <laughs> dying to throw money. I'm sure he must have boxes of cigars at home. Scented, they're scented boxes, all like from the finest in the world. Yeah, cases, handwritten notes. Hey, Joe, yeah. give us a call, <laughs> Lou. Man, this was fun. Thank you so much, man. We'll have to get you back on, brother. Would love to. Thank you for having me, bro. A lot of ground covered in little time. Lou is someone who I. Deeply appreciate in the hobby. Love his perspective. Love what he is doing on the content side. Go check out Card Talk. Check out their stuff. I'm a regular listener. You should be too. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More stacking slabs coming at you next week. Peace out.